make sure with Andrea sometimes she has her back in front of the thing. Beautiful day. Enjoy it. As he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. 2 Samuel 18 and 33. Tonight, uh, resume again the uh, study in John's Gospel, 6 o'clock. Uh, bring your foods. Choir, you'll be gathering at five. New co-ed Bible study for middle age and all wannabes at the Armstrong home. That's October the 27th at 6 p.m. Did we determine whether that was a Friday or a Saturday? It's a Friday. Okay, Friday it is. Um, I should have looked it up. Uh, men's Bible study, uh, Tuesday at 10 at the McLeods. Prayer meeting Wednesday at 7. You'll see the, uh, in, the contact information there again for Samaritan's Purse. Uh, if you want to help, that's a good outlet for that. And remember, if you've not filled out your mission pledge, uh, there should be one in your bulletin. And also, there are some extras here on the pew. Fill that out. Drop it in the offering box so that we can formulate the budget for the year. Axe and Facts and Free Grace Broadcaster are here in the, on the foyer table. And George says there's a great article in Axe and Facts. And I said, what's it about? And he said, I don't know. It's just great. <laughs> so we'll have to check it out. All right, what have I missed? Anything? Scripture for meditation, Zechariah. 
chapter 9, read verses 9 through 17. Let's stand together and open our service in prayer. George, can I ask you to open? Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, we do so, Lord, uh, asking that your Holy Spirit would have uh, power in the presence of uh, this, your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to prepare our hearts now this a, an 
hour in which we're able to hear your word and give attendance to the things you say, that indeed, Lord, we might commune with you this morning. Bless our time in your house and be with Pastor as he speaks. And we'll give you the praise, for we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. Good morning. Please take your brown hymnals and turn to page 9292 in the brown hymnal.
switch from the front row for a second. No? All right, front row. Yes, Neil. Joy to the world. Okay. I have to find it. Joy to the world. <clears throat> one twenty-five in the brown. Same hymnal, one two five. <clears throat> Why this hymn hit Naomi? Um, because it when you One, two,
Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. And ten young men, Joab's armor-bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet, and the troops came back from pursuing Israel, for Joab restrained them. And they took Absalom and threw him into a great pit in the forest and raised over him a very great, great heap of stones. And all Israel fled, every one to his own home. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself the pillar that is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and it is called Absalom's monument to this day. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushites, Go, tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Come what may, let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son, seeing that you have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall, and when he lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out and told the king, and, and the king said, If he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he drew nearer and nearer. The watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gate and said, See, another man running alone. The king said, He also brings news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, All is well. And he bowed before the king with his face to the earth and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, it is, a, is it well with the young man Absalom? Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I do not know what it was. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good news for my lord the king, for the Lord has delivered you this day from the hands of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, is it, is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gates and wept. And as he went, he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. May God add his blessing to his word. You take your red hymnal this time. Your red hymnal, turn page 476 in the red.
Our scripture text today is found in the Old Testament, the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 18. Our last study in the series, Believers Under Trial, dealt with hurting mothers. I do have a message coming for hurting fathers, but that's a bit later. We learned that Eve, the mother of us all, brought pain and suffering on all mothers through her sin of violating God's warning not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She was deceived. But we learned that being tricked into sin yields no exoneration from God. Why? Well, because she knew God's will. Yet she disobeyed. Adam too. And so both were cursed by God. And Eve's punishment was pain in childbearing, which is used throughout Scripture as symbolic of the pain that people and nations experience when they're under the judgment of God. And her husband was to rule over her. The marriage mandate is a family mandate. God had commanded us to have children Raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's how we get most of our godly offspring. That's how, how we get most uh, Christians in the church. Can a person be saved that's never been in a church? Sure, of course. But they're never saved apart from the gospel, and the gospel is preached in the church primarily. And that's why we have our children come to know Christ where they are. We look at some of the pains of motherhood, the pain of having no children, or the pain of an unmarried woman who wants children but can't have them, the pain of losing a child through miscarriage or abortion, the pain of wayward children and grandchildren who make wrong decisions in life. All of these are pains that come um, to women as a result of our sin. Well, today I want to look at a subject which touches every Christian man, every woman, every child here without exception and without mitigation. I'm referring to the real and emotional trauma of the hurt of unsaved family and friends. We all have them. And how do we relate to that in our lives? As we come, let's ask for the Lord's instruction and help by his spirit. Holy Father, send your spirit upon us. These are difficult subjects that we're looking at. We're looking at the hurt and trials that come into our life as part of being in a sinful world. We have reaped these things because of our own disobedience. And because it started way back with Adam and Eve, it follows through the whole posterity. So bless us with your understanding. Bring healing to our hearts. There is healing in the word of God, the truth of the scriptures. And that, for, for that we praise you. that we, we don't have to wallow in this kind of pain for the rest of our life. We can come out of it victorious through the power of your spirit and the salvation that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
Bless these truths to our heart, to comfort our own hearts, challenge us, challenge us, and we pray, Lord, that it will renew us in Christ's name. Amen. We're looking this morning at the subject, the hurt of unsaved family and friends, and I dare say we all are in this category. We are. You'll notice in your bulletin outline, firstly, I want to talk about the obstinate or indifferent husband or father. It is statistically true that when it comes to faith and worship, the church is likely to be weighted more heavily towards women being Christians than men. Statistically true. In my own ministry of over 50 years, the churches I have pastored have been populated with many divided families. And the family member who has been saved and is serving Christ in his church is usually the women. We learned last week that Paul restricted the teaching positions of the church to men because Adam was created first and so he wears that teaching hat, if we could say it that way, and Eve was deceived by the serpent and became the first sinner in Christ's church. And so Christ's church needs discerning people in leadership roles. That being said, then the question comes, where are the men taking the lead in the church? Now, that's not so much a problem of our church. God has been gracious to us. I'm talking about the church in general. Are the men doing the teaching? Are they being involved in outreach and works of benevolence? Are they the ones that are instructing the children and so on? No, the men are noticeably absent. Well, why are the women interested in spiritual education and worship of God while the men stay home and watch TV or head off to the golf course on Sundays? Culturally, there has been a shift. In the 50s, when I was growing up, dads did not send their children to church. They took them to church. I had male Sunday school teachers along with women. The men taught prayer service. They organized mission conferences. They aided the pastors in outreach and visitation. In other words, Christianity was not simply for women and children. It began with the family head, and it filtered down to all the remaining family. Then came the 60s. Suddenly, everyone was asserting their independence from the moral and spiritual rules of society. Women burned their bras, men grew long hair and beards, tie-dye t-shirts replaced white shirts and ties. I see on Dryden Road, we have a tie-dye place just up the street. I'll bet you that person is from the 60s. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that's the case. Blue jeans became standard wear for all occasions, even worship. Men were belittled, railed upon for their leadership, called chauvinistic pigs. 
almost imperceptibly the men began to abdicate leadership in the home and to steer clear of any autocratic authority, including the authority of God over their lives and family responsibilities. The feminist movement infiltrated the church, and the women got something they had not bargained for. They got husbands and fathers who no longer had any time for God or spiritual things. These things, like the more mundane things of life, were left for the women and children as the men kind of bowed out of any religious involvement in the things of God. And that saddens me to say it, but that's what did happen. Now, not with real Christians, not with true Christians. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the trend in society. And this move has been so radical, so pervasive, that today... We have women elders and women pastors because the men have bowed out. Very true. They have abdicated all in the spiritual realm to their wives, to mothers. Not counting the lead positions in the church, we do not have male teachers and leaders in other areas of church life. Why? Well, because the husband can't be bothered now with spiritual things. Let the women pray. Let the women study and teach. Let the women attend church. But not me. I have no time for such foolishness. Now, not always, but sometimes the husband becomes like Nabal in Scripture. The husband to Abigail in Old Testament times, who refused to supply David with necessary foodstuffs, even after David and his men had protected Nabal's servants from raiders as they watched over Nabal's livestock. When David asked for food, Nabal answered, David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this uh, son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? 1 Samuel 25, verse 10 and 11. Why would Nabal react so harshly to a man, in this case David, who had treated him so kindly? Verse 3. He was mean and surly in his dealings, the scripture says. He's a mean guy. His own servants, is, uh, their evaluation was this. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. 1 Samuel 25, verse 17. That's pretty, pretty poor, don't you think? Well, hmm. David had had enough of this Nabal. He treated him so kindly. And all he needed was some food to help his men. So he was on his way to slaughter every male heir of Nabal's family. 